Sergen at the Champion League Gelda. I always get goosebumps when I'm listening to that. And of course, I'm totally faking it because we didn't just hear that intro. But um, I know you just did. So don't you just love that? Anyway, uh, welcome back to the Black Eagles podcast episode 75. We're just 25 short from getting to that magical 100 number. And joining me today is Kartal Ur of TF News. Uh, 1923, if I have it correct on Twitter, Cartel, that's your new project, right? Yeah, that's my new project. Uh, it's uh, just calling uh, the Turkish football. Yeah. Uh, all the all the teams. Uh, I also do help out Karen on uh, Bishkek International as well. It's yeah. just uh, yeah, so it's all about kind of trying to globalize this uh, passion we have for Turkish football. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's that's the kind of objective that we have here. Yeah, basically. Uh, an account definitely worth following. I've been following them for uh, since they launched. Uh, when, when was that? Like two, three weeks ago. End of May. So yeah. it's just been over a month now. Yeah. So yeah. almost at six hundred followers right now. And um, you, you guys know the types of accounts. Uh, you know, like like our account, Besiktas International, or or Besiktas Talk. Uh, those types of accounts, basically. That's what these guys are doing, but they're doing that for all the clubs. So you're you, you're not just getting all the Besiktas news; you're getting all the Fenerbahce Galatasaray um, and most of the the Turkish football news. It's it's a really great account. I highly recommend following them. It's at TF News nineteen twenty three on Twitter. Uh, I don't think you'll regret following them um, as long as they don't slip into your DMs. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, great account, guys. So definitely uh, give them a follow. Um, but we're here to talk about solely about Besiktas today, of course. And it's been a couple of weeks since we last had an episode, unfortunately. Sina has been extremely busy. It's been very difficult to line up schedules. Uh, initially, we didn't really want to uh, do an episode with no news. Um, and, and to be quite frank, in the last two weeks, nothing big has really happened. There's not been a signing. There's not been... Um, a, ma- a major announcement in regards to a sponsorship uh, deal or the new shirts aren't out yet. It- it's been three pretty quiet weeks when it comes to Besiktas fans. Apart from the Tyler Boyd transfer saga, that's kind of been heating up. That's been uh, dragging on a little bit, so we'll get into that. But before we do, um, the first n- noteworthy point, I think, is... Um, the guys at, at uh, Besiktas uh, France, uh, which of course our friend Aurelien Celik is, is part of, they reported a couple of weeks ago that Vodafone would not be recur- returning uh, as the main sponsor on our kits this season, and uh, there there hasn't been any clear conf- there hasn't been any confirmation on that. Uh, but today there wasn't a rumor saying that Bache Shehir College will become the new main sponsor of Besiktas. Uh, unconfirmed. And of course, they already are sponsors for our shorts, uh, which was a sponsorship deal for two years that was signed just back in February of this year. So it would be kind of weird to have them on both our shorts and our, our, our shirt. Um, of course... Uh, the owner, or how should I put it, it is like the, the, the biggest private school in uh, Turkey, if I'm not mistaken. And the, the, I don't know how you call it, the rector or, or the dean or the, the head of the school basically is, of course, a, a Besiktas fan. Uh, it's, uh, his name eludes me right now, Yuchel, but his first name eludes me. Uh, but he, of course, he famously helped um, on the, the Shinji Kagawa deal. And um, he was, last week at least, he was in, in, in Japan, uh, reportedly to talk to Shinji Kagawa as well for returning for next season. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Vodafone out, Bacheshi here, Koleji in Kartal. That's, uh, you said it off air, it's quite a step down if that's actually the case uh, in terms of um, reputation, uh, in terms of... Uh, yeah, just overall brand recognition for our main sponsor. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to think it's going to be a bit lower as well, the offer that they've uh, gave Besiktas to be the shirt sponsor. And obviously, when you play in Europe, like, people just be wondering, like, what, what is Bacheshire College? You know what I mean, like, it's not, it's not recognised at all. But it's Vodafone, everyone sees that, they recognise it straight away. It kind of... 
I, I don't know if this is really that important, but it gives us more of a big club feel, if you know what I mean. And people say, oh, they must be a big deal if they get voted for on their shirt, you know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. I think that uh, your your main sponsor isn't just um, a, a, one, of a, one of the major sources of income you have. It's also uh, kind of, of how you present your brand towards the world. And if you have a ma- main sponsor like Vodafone on your shirt, like you said, it, it does... Um, yeah, put some weight and 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 it, it does show people that you're serious. And then if you have like a like Bachi, with all due respect, Bachisir College. I mean, I'm sure it's it's in Turkey. It's pretty uh, respected and all that because it's of course the biggest private school in Turkey, supposedly. Uh, but I mean, outside of Turkey, nobody will know that. Nobody will uh, recognize it, and 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 it's it just looks a little weird and and. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, if what if once we, we play with whatever on our shirt for a couple of weeks, it'll be fine, I think. But I don't know. I I, I do know some friends of mine and my I myself when we had Kola Turka on our shirts back in the day. Personally, I kind of liked it. I thought the font was fine and all that. But you know, it, it was just so much ridicule um, that we, that we went through here in in Europe. Uh, from our friends when you wore a shirt with Kola Turka on it. You don't get that when you have Vodafone on it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be the same thing with Bacchishi here, but I can already imagine people saying, oh, what? I thought Fenerbahce were your rivals. I mean, just having that word Bacche on there is enough, I think, to cause some confusion. I just think it's, uh, in terms of, uh, in that respect, I think it's a bad choice if we end up going with them as our main sponsor um i think they they should really try and retain vodafone but i don't know what the, the situation is with vodafone how successful they've been in turkey uh as we know that there's a there's a lot of chauvinism involved when it comes to turks uh, selecting whatever you know like they're gonna go with turk telecom before they're gonna go with a vodafone i think and there's been foreign countries trying to break into the turkish markets and and, and having failed at it. i don't know how successful vodafone have been been at it uh, maybe it's just for them that it's not been a massive success they expected a bigger return on it and and they're not willing to pump five six seven eight nine million a year into Bishiktas anymore uh, for for shirt sponsorship I don't know what the deal is there but I'm sure if, if they still were willing to pay top dollar that they would have just renewed but uh, thus far that hasn't happened and uh, I don't know I, I can't, I'm kind of hoping this Bakshishi here thing is a hoax but uh, yeah, I don't think it is. I, I think it might actually be true. Uh, same as it's for real, man. Uh, it's, quite, it's quite funny how you're talking about uh, how you, you get, sli- you get uh, slagged off. That's someone uh, taking the mick out of you uh, for Kothurka. I've never really had that problem in Scotland because in Scotland it's, it's all betting companies and alcohol companies that do the sponsors. So I've always been like them. Oh, we've got these big brands, Toyota, uh, Vodafone, to our friends. But we've got Terence Lager as your sponsor. So I've always kind of had the, the, the bragging rights in that regard, but sadly that will probably end this year if we end up with a budget share or as our sponsor. Yeah, and I saw you mention something of at least our shirts will look better or something, but I, I actually really like the look of Vodafone on our shirts. Uh, I, I like Vodafone as well, man. I think it looks good. It's it's not like that. It's not it's not too big either. Actually, I, I, I think it's seeing that it's a huge sponsor on the front. It kind of yeah. uh, ruins the shot. But so I think the point I was making right? about... Yeah, the point I was making about the shot, the shots will look better is if we don't have any kind of chess sponsor. Obviously, from a financial perspective, that wouldn't be as beneficial. But if we had no front sponsor, I'd say the aesthetic of the shot would be nicer. Hmm. I don't know if you agree with that, but I think it looks a little weird uh, on on a, on, a, on a club shirt uh, to not have a sponsor on there. I always thought it was a little weird that Fenerbahce, you know, for a couple seasons didn't have a sponsor, and it just makes you look like a. I think it's not a good good sign. It, it, it looks like either you, well, you know, Fenerbahce always said, or the fans at least always said, well, you know, the real estate on our shirt is just too valuable, and we're not willing to just sell it to anyone. Um, which I get, but when you're in a position like our clubs are in right now, where you can't say no to money, I think going into a season without a main shirt sponsor is is um, is a poor choice. Uh, but yeah, uh, in terms of aesthetics, I don't know. I've been, I'm so used to seeing sponsors on shirts; it, it's kind of weird for me to, to not see a sponsor there. Because uh, you know, with the national team, at least you have the the shirt number on the front of your shirt, but without anything on there, it just looks so empty. Um, but yeah, um, 
we'll have to wait and see, you know. Vodafone might still come true, maybe another deal. But for me, if, if there's going to be any Turkish sponsor, the only one that I would really be happy about is Beko. Uh, and I, I doubt that's going to happen because, of course, you know, uh, Ali Koç is now... Uh, fully integrated in Fenerbahce as their president. Yeah. Um, Beko is sponsoring their basketball team, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's unfortunate because I think Beko is, is, is synonymous with Besiktas. But, yeah, uh, we still have them on the back of our shirts, I think, though, right? So, yeah. But, uh, uh, just, just if Ali Koch's uh, dad uh, brought up properly, you know what I mean? Because like, his dad, obviously, Rami Koch is a huge Besiktas fan. And I think what actually happened is... Obviously, his dad, his dad was very busy. Rami Koch was always a very busy man, you know what I mean? Like dealing with that and a huge international business. So I think Ali Koch was actually influenced by his nanny. And that's how he became a Fenerbahce fan. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, that's, a, that's a story I've heard anyway. Who knows? Might, might, might very well be true. Yeah. Curse that nanny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but let's, uh, let's dig into some uh, more uh, fun news, transfer talk. Um, the biggest news the last couple of weeks has really been Tyler Boyd, the newly crowned U.S. international uh, right winger. Of course, he spent the past six months out on loan at Ankara Gaju. was very impressive, scored six goals, gave four assists, if I'm not mistaken. Um, was just instrumental in them staying up and uh, really impressed. Kind of looks a little bit like a younger version of Edin Vizca. Um, but uh, he's been... Looks strong. like him as well. Yeah, he works like is similar. Yeah, style. he looks like him. Oh, he yeah, looks, looks like him looks, as well. Looks like him. Yeah, he kind of looks like him too. <laughs> uh, but he he is a hard worker, uh, good player. We've seen at least at Ankara Gujo, uh, he's making uh, he's doing well for himself right now as well with the US at uh, the Gold Cup. Um, so it's it's a player business are very interested in right now. It seems that that Tyler Boyd's kind of the number one priority for Besiktas right now in terms of the transfer market. Of course, there's other positions that Besiktas are going to be looking to fill, but it looks like uh, the main focus is on Boyd right now. Um, and of course, he's still owned by Portuguese club Vitoria Guimarães, and uh, they're of course wanting to capitalize on his uh, popularity on his good season in Turkey and are looking to get a decent price for him. Um, Besiktas had, to my, according to uh, people from Oyogo in Portugal, had a 1.7 million euro offer rejected last week. Uh, and uh, there was also a statement made by um, communications director of Guimeres Ribeiro last week to Orta Chizgi that uh, Besiktas had indeed tabled an offer, but it uh, was rejected alongside an offer from the MLS. Um, and they said basically the offer was just not what we are wanting to get for the player right now. And thus far, uh, Besiktas have not made a new offer. However, yesterday evening, Orta Chizgi did report that Besiktas have tabled a second offer. So um, it looks like things are heating up a little bit surrounding Tyler Boyd. And I just want to get your opinion on it, Kartal. How would you feel about him being the new guy on our right wing, replacing Ricardo Quaresma, most likely? Well, to, to start off with, I think he's a, he's a polar opposite to Ricardo Quaresma. Ricardo Quaresma is the type of winger that always uh, likes to go down to the last line and make the cross. Uh, I think as time's went on, he's... You know, he's kind of started to rely on that far too much because he's not as when he first played for Besiktas or even the first couple of years of his sentence then he still had that ability to cut in all the time you know take shots as well but and he's lost a bit of his speed so he's kind of just rely on his crossing ability too much whereas Boyd's a lot more direct he always looks to cut inside always looks towards goal is that likes to play low crosses as well so and I think that's what modern football requires these days I think the the winger that goes down that last line and crosses it in every time is is something that's kind of stuck in the past. I mean, especially if you look at us in the first half of the season, quite as well, I think he had 11 assists in the first half of the season for us, but, you know, I mean, like, there's argument is, yeah, 11 assists, that's a fantastic statistic, but when you think about it, he's making 40 crosses that game, you know what I mean? It's, it's not really that great. Uh, kind I think a lot of his assists come from corners and set pieces too. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I think his crossing ability is. I mean, I don't think you can knock his crossing ability, but it's. Of not, course. You know what the thing is? If you don't have a lot of bodies in the box, 
um, then a, the cross needs to be perfect. If you have three, four people in the box at the same time popping out up at different key positions, you know, far post, near post, penalty point, then a cross can be of lesser quality and cause a lot more havoc. So the problem, I think, isn't so much that Quaresma was crossing 40 times a game. I think the problem was that we just had too few bodies in the box. In the second half of the season, we saw that improve. Dorokhan would pop up there more frequently. Leitch was a lot more involved. Uh, we finally had a proper striker. Uh, I think in the first half of the season, that you can't compare Besiktas to in the first half of the season to the second half of the season. Uh, in, in terms of that, I, I think Quaresma, if he would have been motivated, if he wouldn't have been uh, an absolute um, misfit in, in the first half of the season, to, to, you know, with the Malmo red card and then in the start of the second half of the season, the Erzurum red card, uh, I think if he would have still had, like, if he was still there and giving 100%, I think he could have been valuable in the second half of the season because with more bodies in the box, I think his crossing could have been more valuable. But uh, yeah, they're definitely very different types of players, and and there's no there's no secret that Quaresma, you know, he's going on 36 years old in September. He'll be 36. Um, he's not gonna be, an, you know, our our main guy forever. I think that time has passed. We've said that a couple of times already, multiple times already on this podcast. I know everyone's kind of clinging to. Uh, <laughs> that he can still be a super sub or he can still be valuable. Yeah. The thing is, you know, I'm sure he could be, but his mentality, his his personality just, I don't think it allows it. I don't think he's willing to take a super sub role. I don't think he's willing to take a pay cut. I don't think he's going to fit into that role uh, without a pay cut. Um, so I think it's best for him uh, after a very great second stint, fantastic second stint in the Bish stage. I think it's just, the best to call it quits, move on, go to MLS, man. I've said this so many times. I think Quaresma could rip up the MLS. I still think he has plenty of quality for that. Yes, he doesn't have that explosive ability anymore that he had in his 20s, but he's still relatively fast. He's not like super fast anymore, but he's not like he's an old man that can barely walk like some players in their 30s. I mean, Quaresma is still extremely fit uh, in peak physical condition. Of course, he's lost some pace and he's lost some explosive power. But he's still a great athlete. But I think, yeah, we can all agree that his the, the Quaresma era is kind of over and we need to look to, toward newer things. And then I think the question is, our new coach, Abdullah Afci, he works with a certain system and what fits into that system. And Tyler Boyd might fit that mold because like you and I have just pointed out, he does have some similarities with Edin Vizsha. So he might actually be the ideal signing for Mishitesh this coming summer. So for I, for one, really hope it happens. I think it's not just um, a good signing of, of a player that's not even 25 yet, is a U.S. international, uh, knows the league, uh, has some experience in Europe because he has had... Uh, not this season, but the previous season under another coach, he played plenty for Vitoria Gimeraj. I think he played like 30 games or something in uh, in, this, in the Portuguese league. So he has experience at the top level. He's a good footballer. He's always gotten his goal. He's got the nose to get the goal. Um, yeah, I, I really want to, to see him at Besiktas. And like um, George Dimatelis pointed out on Football Algerica last week, I think it'll be also a good marketing ploy for Besiktas to sign a U.S. international because it may actually uh, increase interest in Besiktas in the United States. Yeah, especially now we've got that uh, TV deal over there as well. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're showing a couple of Super League games a week in, in the U.S. and I think it'd get a lot more interest if they had one of their own uh, playing in all of these games and that's what... Tyler Boyd would be playing, you know what I mean? Like, we'd expect him to be in top 11 week in, week out. So it could definitely be advantageous. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I want to t- talk about the Garden Boyd is, uh, in our group chat, people have been saying, oh, he could end up being another Laren, but I think you can't, you can't make that comparison, I feel, because... He's not from the see, MLS. Yeah, he's, for a start, yeah, he's not from the MLS. He's actually from New Zealand. And see, see when you just watch Kyle Laren play and you watch him play, like this, even in games where Kyle Lahren was scoring the hat-tricks, they all had doubt in our head because mm-hmm. just, just the way he lucky carries di- himself. Lucky yeah, deflection. The way, the way and, ca- yeah. yeah, just his technique and the way he carries himself. It he, 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 he didn't seem like he was cutting the bill despite maybe being effective in that game against Sivas at the end of last season and uh, then the, the game against uh, the team from the Faroe Islands. Uh, they're not, they're not my just now. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, was it Tosh Avin? Yeah. Uh, Tosh Avin. Uh, like it was, it was effective in those games. He was throwing hat tricks, but at the same time, from what I was actually seeing, like from the way he moves, his ball control, his technique, mm-hmm. you could kind of tell something was lacking. Whereas when you watch Boyd, I, I don't like him too much, but it, it just kind of looks like the finished article to me. He's got yeah. a great touch. He's an excellent dribbler. Good pass. Excellent finisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's got all the attributes uh, kind of required to be a success in Besiktas. Yeah, and I think the most important part as well, something that I heard a lot of American uh, pundits point out lately was as he was playing for uh, the U.S. national team. And what you need to realize is that for, for them, he was a major revelation too because nobody really knew Tyler Boyd before he started playing those games now for the U.S. national team because he didn't play in the MLS like we all already pointed out. So they were really unfamiliar with him. And they were one of the biggest things that they really liked about him is his confidence, his willingness, his, um, you know, just, just the confidence in himself to have a shot. Um, something that I think we lack sometimes, like just a player that's just like, oh, you know what, I'll, I'm going to have a shot now. I'm just going to see and test the goalkeeper. Um, that's something Tyler Boyd is, is definitely capable of doing too. And uh, he, scored a, he scored two really nice goals actually already at the Gold Cup, which uh, should definitely be checked out if you haven't already. But uh, yeah, I don't think that comparison with Kyle Aaron is, is, is applicable. I think this is a guy that's already proven at Ankaragücü that he uh, is of decent quality. Uh, of course, the question is that step from Ankaragücü to Besiktas. It's always a you know it's it's always a difference there. Uh, you know, this, going to a big club is always difficult, even if it is within the same league. But uh, I think he's gutsy enough. I think he has plenty of technical ability. I mean, he's no Quaresma, but uh, he has what he needs. I think in terms of technique, um, and I think he just has a lot of ability. He's also his cross is decent too. Uh, I think he's just an all-around decent winger that's gonna do well. I hope if we end up getting him. Um, and uh, yeah. I just hope uh, it, it does end up happening. Um, but interesting point there. You pointed out Kyle Aaron, and uh, that's something we don't have in our notes here. But actually, it should be pointed out. He is probably, this has not yet been officially confirmed, I think, but he's more than likely off to Zulte Waregem of Belgium. Um, and that's something I'm very happy about, actually, because I have been saying to Sinan for a while now, he should really go to the Eredivisie in Holland or to Belgium in the Pro League. I think it's going to do wonders for him. Zulte Waregem are the, the, the exact correct size of club for him to go and develop. Uh, they have an option to buy. According to TRT, it's two and a half million. So we don't actually know what the transfer, the potential transfer fee would be for him, uh, two and a half or four million. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it's important that he gets games. Uh, I believe Zoltaragam are obligated to play him in at least 20 matches, so that's positive. Uh, they will also be playing one million of his 1.6 million salary. Uh, I believe Murat Özen reported that. So that's positive too. That's another million off of our wage bill. So that's good. So Kyle Aaron is off to Zoltarbargen more than likely. Um, I hope he does well there and can develop. I, I don't think he will come back and be a Besiktas player. But if he can have a good season there, uh, either Zoltarbargen can buy him f- from us or uh, we can uh, sell him uh, to another club perhaps. So that's Kyle Aaron. Uh yeah, not much to be said. I don't know if you have anything to say about Laren going off to Wargem, uh, Kartal. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be very beneficial for him. And also us, because I, mean, I don't see him as a best-class quality player. But I'm just hoping that he scores a lot of goals there so we can sell him for the, whether that be 2 million or 4 million. Yeah, that would be, I, that would be amazing. I think 4 million is a long shot. I, I don't see that happening, to be honest. Yeah. But 2 million, I mean, that's, that's very possible. And if... If he's successful there and we're able to sell him for that amount of money, then that's great. We've made a profit of someone that was kind of deemed as being a surplus to the requirements, and that's you can't ask you can't ask for anything more than that. I think if he scores like 15 goals or something, they're definitely going to try to retain him. Uh, and, and you know what? I mean, for us, uh, if we just get get his contract off our wage bill, that would be huge. And if we can recuperate that 1.8 million that we paid for him. Uh, that would be fantastic too. Uh, so let's move on. Another rumor we already talked about it a little bit earlier. Shinji Kagawa, he might actually be coming back for next season. Um, this depends largely on, you know, he still has it on his bucket list of going to Spain. 
Does will that happen? Uh, if it doesn't, uh, there were, it was reported, I believe, again, Ochtachizgi Murat Özen, I think, reported that in July uh, the club would be sitting down with uh, Kagawa to talk about next season. But also, um, Mr. Yuchel from uh, Bacchishihir Koleji was in uh, Japan this past week, so rumors also uh, surfaced that he might actually already be in Japan to speak to Kagawa course we're in july now so uh, who knows um i don't know how you feel about that uh cartel do you think shinji kagawa as a player we should try to retain for this coming season everyone knows what i feel i i'm a big fan of course yeah uh, what i feel about kagawa is obviously he's, a, he's an excellent footballer no one can doubt he's a talent now but i feel as if that should not be the priority the priority should be getting a left wing what left wing or right winger uh left left and right fullbacks uh, I see the end. They could eventually, with the view of them eventually stepping into the role of a uh, much loved club legend, Dutty Washington, uh, and uh, maybe a centre back as well. He kind of compete with uh, the likes of me then, you know what I mean? So, someone to push me then. So, I, I think uh, Kagawa would be a great transfer, but we need to address our, our other issues first. Yeah, for sure. Um... It's not a top priority in terms of what we need, really. But I think it, it he could be of great value, nevertheless. And, and it also depends, you know, Abdullah Avci is supposedly keen on getting him for next season. How is he going to want to use him? Let's not forget he uh, used uh, those types of footballers a lot at uh, Bashakshi here, too. You know, for years he played with Doka, Mosoro, Vishcha. Uh, the past couple of years, of course, Mosoro is still an instrumental part. And I think, you know, you could probably say Mosoro is kind of a, a poor man's Kagawa. So I could see Kagawa fit into uh, uh, Afchi's plan. So um, at the end of the day, maybe he's not going to play with his traditional left winger. Maybe he moves Leitch out left, but has him cut in a lot more. I don't know what his plan is, but I, I just know if, if, if Afchi says, I want this guy, then I think, you know what, get him. Uh, if he wants to come, of course. Uh, let's move on. You just said something about a replacement for Atiba, and there's two names that we've been linked with recently, and that's, of course, Azubuike and Bachiru. Um, nothing new in terms of Azubuike, but there has been reported interest of Istanbul Bashakshi here for him, so uh, I don't know what's going on there in, from our perspective, but uh, if Bashakshi here are going to swoop in, that would be... Uh, one less uh, option for us. Uh, then, of course, there's Bashiru of uh, Malmö. Uh, we saw him, of course, in the Europa League against us. He's 29 already, if I'm not mistaken. Seems a little old to get a player from uh, from from a league like uh, like Sweden. Um, I don't know. I mean, he had. I, I checked his career trajectory. He's never really played in a top league, uh, and he's already 29. Ah. Seems like a bit of a. It's more like a Konya sport player, if you know what I mean. I don't know. Maybe he he comes and he's gonna be great. Of course, uh, Atiba Hutchinson has a has a has a good history in uh, in, in in Scandinavia. Uh, played a large portion of his career there, but he also, of course, had a, a stint at at PSV. Uh, played plenty of Champions League football and stuff like that. So that's something that Bashiro doesn't have. I don't know how you feel about this one. One thing I do remember was thinking oh, that, that number seven looks awful good when they were playing against us. You know, that number seven was uh, Bashiru. Seems like he controls the midfield. It, it does seem like just a, a younger version of Matty Hutchinson, maybe not of that same quality. But he looks a good player. And you're talking about his age there, Khan. He's 29, but you need to remember, Atiba was 30 when we signed him. And I, I remember... I remember when they first signed Atiba, thinking, oh, oh, not, yeah. not another 30-year-old. I mean, obviously, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking he was going to... He came from PSV, though. That's different. Uh, there's a big difference yeah. from Malmo. Uh, you know, he had a couple of years at PSV under his belt. He had uh, played for Copenhagen in Denmark, played Champions League with them, uh, played Champions League with PSV. It's... Uh, different for me than Bashiro who's played now what three seasons at Malmo and I don't know I, you know I, I don't even remember the clubs he's played before I mean obviously that that doesn't need to that doesn't necessarily mean that he isn't capable of playing for a bitch some players are just late bloomers uh, 
Uh, that could very well be the case here. But those are just things that kind of worry me, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, of course, as long as he's not too, too, uh, too pricey. I mean, if he would be like a free agent and you don't pay him like a silly wage, like let's say you pay him an Atiba-type wage, one million a year, I'd definitely be up for that and to give it a try. But I don't know how what this contract situation is with Malmo right now. Uh, it's not a player that I would uh, fork out uh, a lot of money for. Yeah, it'd have to be on the cheap. I wouldn't pay any more for, than a million for, for him. I think, I think Azubuki, I think he's a, he's probably my preferred candidate for that position because he's got experience in the league and he's he's done he's done very well in the Super League. You know what I mean? I think he's, he's relatively young. He's 24, if I'm not mistaken. Azubuki. Yeah, I believe he is. Uh, they're kind of the same profile types of players. They're both really small. I think both are like one one meter seventy or something. Uh, yeah. So that's another thing. I mean, you're trading off. Uh, well, not that Atiba is, is great in the air, but uh, still, some, some you know when it, when the opposition goalkeeper kicks the ball up the field or your own goalkeeper kicks the ball up the field, you need some players that are capable of uh, you know combating in the air for that ball. Um, you know, so I, I kind of prefer to have some height there because we already have, uh, you know, Leic, who is like, I don't know, 182, and then o- Ozzy, who's like 180, and we don't have a lot of height in our midfield, so um, I don't know, I kind of want that that central that defensive midfielder to have a little bit of uh, physicality to him, a little bit of height, so he can win those aerial duels as well, but at the end of the day, you know, if, they, if they're really good footballers and they make up for that lack of height with, with other qualities, then it doesn't really matter, but... Um, it's 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 interesting that we're going for that uh, that that profile of uh, Kante, so to speak. Yeah, because you're trying to try and find someone in the mold of Atiba and, and the way so that kind of tall, lean build. Yeah, because Medell's the, the two of them are similar build to Medell, short and stocky. Mm-hmm. But and we're talking about we're talking about the aerial Jews, but. Uh, Gary Medell is a fantastic example of a player that's very short, but yep. he does amazing in aerial jewels. Yep. Uh, people think, oh, you can't play him at centre back, he, he's very small, but he, do, he does great when he plays it. I, I think when yeah, it comes to Medell, even he's Medell's better at centre back than he is in the, the midfield. I, I think in the midfield, he kind of gets lost, you know what I mean? But his positional awareness isn't too good, which is maybe Atiba's best quality. Uh, but when he's playing at the back, that's not really as much of an issue. Yeah, it's definitely true. So uh, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. By its cover. Um, then the last rumor that's kind of been surfacing lately that's uh, Lionel Di Placido from Argentina. This is was reported as a done deal back in Argentina. Uh, I think this is an agent trying to. Uh, get interest or interest in this client. I don't think this is actually something we should be paying too much attention to. We've seen it a couple of times. Remember uh, Emmanuel Mas? Remember we were supposedly super interested yeah. in him. Um, and uh, that 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 I spoke to his agent back then. I believe uh, I do think that uh, that was also kind of just them getting his name out there, and it paid off because uh, Trabzonspor ended up signing him. So. Uh, you know what? Uh, maybe Trabzon will end up signing Lionel Di Placido. What actually ever happened to Emmanuel Mas? Because he was pretty good actually when he came to Trabzon, but I think they sold him relatively quick, didn't they? I think he went back to South America, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I maybe he was back to Argentina. It's possible. Um, so let's just look. Uh, I don't think that's pretty much it in terms of of of, of uh, transfer rumors news. Like I said, there really isn't all that much to report on right now. Uh, but we just wanted to get an episode out there for you guys. You know, we know that uh, uh, when you're commuting to work or whatever, um, it's always fun to have something to listen to. So before we uh, call it quits for this episode for episode 75, we are just quickly going to talk a little bit about players that we might. Uh, want to see leave this summer. Of course, Tolga, Mustafa Pektimek, Gökhanteure, and Adriano all have uh, left already. Their contracts expired. Uh, Adriano still did have a talk with uh, Abdullah Avci, but he, his demands were very high. I think he's at a point in his career where he just wants to go back to Brazil. And uh, it, unless it's for money that he simply can't refuse, I don't think he's uh, willing to stay in Europe anymore. So those guys are gone already, but then there's a couple more guys that uh, are potentially on their way out. 
Most notably, of course, Ricardo Quaresma, but also Jermaine Lenz is being mentioned in the media. Uh, Enzo Rocco also being talked about as he might be on his way out. Uh, of course, he didn't get many chances from Shinel Ganesh. Maybe, um, maybe Abdullah Avci says, no, you know what? I want to see him in training camp first before I let him go. Uh, then, of course, Gary Medell is a potential guy to exit. He's playing at the Copa America right now, having a good tournament uh, for Chile. He's captain in Chile, of course. Uh, Gary Medell, the main thing with him, I think, is he's still very useful for the team, but he's just on a, on a very high contract, 2.3 million a year. So I don't think that a squad depth player, utility player, is, is, is worth that type of money right now for us. Um, and then someone who's being talked about in the media too is, is uh, Mirin. We see Mat Mirin as in terms of uh, he might be leaving. So, uh, quickly, your opinion on uh, some of these guys, Cartel. Uh, For example, Mirin, how do you feel about him potentially being sold already after just six months? Well, Mirin's been getting a lot of hate, a lot of unwanted hate, if you ask me. But whenever, I've, whenever I've watched him, apart from maybe the, the Fanarbasha game where he. You can tell he's very nervous. I mean, it's his first derby uh, in a new country. I mean, well, it's probably very different from anything he's ever experienced before. So, understandably, he was nervous in that game and he looked—he was making mistakes. But I think to look at it as a whole, I, I was very happy. I mean, he's, he's confident on the ball. Uh, I mean, he's, he's always willing to stick his foot in, you know what I mean, to, to make a challenge. Like, for example, a lot of people are criticising Mirin after the, the, the Galatasaray game, but... I thought, especially in the first half, Miriam was maybe even our best player in the park. I mean, he made a lot of very good challenges in that first in that first half of that game. Yeah, I think he gets and a then, lot of uh, unfair criticism. It's kind of like how Karius got blamed for every goal he conceded, basically in the first half of the season. Uh, I think I think it's just a, a typical uh, scapegoat mentality that uh, Turkish fans really seem to have. There has to be someone to blame. Um, I mean, let's let's think back at uh, Dusko Tosic's first six months at Besiktas. He scored like two very critical own goals, and you know everyone was hating on him. Let's think about uh, Domagoj Vida's first six months at the club. Uh, people were hating on him too. I mean, gotta give a guy, especially defenders and, and goalkeepers, they need some time to settle. Uh, I don't. I'm I'm not ready to write Miran off. I I don't even think that it's warranted at this point. I, he hasn't done anything to me that that warrants writing him off. And, and even if he did, I think he still deserves a couple of months. But uh, uh, plus, he's one of our lowest paid defenders. If you think about it, I mean, well, lowest paid. I mean, he's making like 1.2 million a year. That's not one of our bigger contracts. Uh, I mean, if we're gonna bring in a, a new defender. It's gonna have to be from a notably higher quality then, and then you're paying a lot more money probably. Uh, and the same, you know, I kind of feel the same t- way about Enzo Rocco because we we barely have seen him either. He just got written off straight away by Shinon Gunesh, and, and Shinon has done that to so many defenders already. I mean, he wrote off almost. I mean, Alexi Del- Alexi Delgado he wrote off after like five games. Um, Matej Mitrovic he wrote off after like two or three games. Uh, Alexander Milosevic he wrote off after one game. Um, you know, Domagoj Vida he was ready to write him off too. Uh, he just he had a really bad way with with, with defenders. Um, and if you look at what Abdullah Avci has done with defenders at Bashakshi here, how he has morphed a, a very average defensive midfielder uh, in, in Atama into a decent central defender, I think a guy like Rocco and a guy like uh, Mirin especially could definitely have a career resurgence or, or at least a resurgence of their careers at Besiktas under him. So I don't think it's worth writing either of those guys off. I'm not saying that we should keep both of them. Both of them are obviously foreigners. Both of them are on 1.2 million a year and while it's not a top contract at Besiktas uh, we should get probably get rid of one of them but uh, yeah if we would get rid of one of them I think I would probably opt for Rocco right now he's a Chilean international I believe he is at the Copa America I'm not sure if he's playing anything but I think he he's someone we could probably sell and uh, get our money back for uh, I mean in January, I believe Levante or something were in for him and, and were willing to pay, but we didn't let him go for some odd reason. Uh, but yeah, I don't know how you feel about Enzo Rocco. Uh, I thought Rocco should leave. See, we didn't see much, but from what I saw, I didn't see that potential. With me, I see that potential. Like, you were talking about how Tosic and uh, Vida, how they weren't 
They went, they didn't do too well in the first six months. I out of those three players, Marine had the best first six months. I, I, he had a better first six months than Vida. He had a, better, a much better first six months than Thorsic did. Uh, and we're talk, we're all, you're also talking about how Shell Gidesh was very quick at writing off centre backs. I think the you missed. I think you missed maybe the, the best example. Of that. I think Rodolfo what happened to him was shocking. I thought. You can see that first six months he had with us before he had that ACL tear. I thought he was. He, he had a great partnership with us. Yeah, I was, yeah, a, I was, was a big fan. That's really good. But and then. I, yeah, sorry. I think he. You know what? What you often have with players who have ACL injuries, they come back and they're kind of scared to get hurt again. Uh, I think that's what Rodolfo had, and that's something I, I, we've we've seen other players have in the past too. And I just think that Chanel Gunesh is not able to rehabilitate a guy like that. Uh, I don't know. I, Chanel has been, in my in my opinion, has been very bad with defenders, especially. I think he has. Uh, I think he has um, ruined careers i mean i think like a guy like alexander milosevic i think he could have had a decent career i'm not saying that he could have been a Besiktas defender but i think he could have been uh like a konya sport level defender i think he could have been uh, a relatively decent had a relatively decent career i think sean kind of just basically pulled the plug on his career uh i don't know i'm, I'm really unhappy in, in in how we handled so many of our defenders i mean except for marcelo uh there's not a single one i think he handled really well and that's just because Marcelo uh, had a very good debut, so to speak. Yeah, moving on to the other players that we're talking about leaving, I think Quaresma, as much I'm a huge Quaresma fan. Like, see the first time he left when he cancelled his contract, I, I remember almost crying in, in school, in a biology class, uh, when Quaresma left the first time. But I, I think now it is time to part ways. And really, I want it to happen is that as nice a way possible, but sadly it seems in Turkish football we're not capable of sending people off in good terms. You know, there was a whole kind of uh, thing with the old fanatic quotes from uh, Fikri Torban, which would obviously be yes, but Quaresma definitely took them literally and made a post uh, on his Instagram about it, and then he unfollowed Beshkash and, and then he followed us again. There was a kind of big scandal going on. But I know it's time for him to go. His, his wage is too high. Uh, I, don't th- I don't think he's really interested in Besiktas anymore it seems like he's he really wants to move back to Portugal but the, the issue with him I think he's in limbo a wee bit because I, I don't think there's any interest in Portugal so you're saying earlier on if, if Quaresma is going to go anywhere it should be the MLS because he's he's still got the ability to tear up there and uh, I think it'd be huge in the MLS I think he'd get a lot of fans you know what I mean like he could be like a marquee player for, for one of the teams over there yeah, uh, I, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know what, the thing with, with Quaresma is just that he's a... I, I don't know if he's a drama queen. I think he just... I don't know. People are kind of accusing him of, of wanting attention. I don't know. I think the guy's just been real unhappy. I think, you know, he hasn't been getting paid. Um, and he hasn't been getting that appreciation. You know, I think the thing with Quaresma always has been... I think I'm sure there's been periods at Besiktas where he didn't get paid. But he's always had the love from the fans. But he's kind of been losing that um, the last season for sure. And even before that, the decline was already starting where, you know, the the, the crowds were very uh, split on, on Quaresma. But this season especially, I think he's lost most of the fans' the support. Um, and I think, you know, when he doesn't have that anymore and he, he's not getting paid, it's very difficult for him to be happy. Uh, and yeah. he's just going to lash out and that's what happened there. And it's very unfortunate because for me, Quaresma is a club legend. Um, not saying that he deserves a statue or anything, but I think what he's done for the club in a positive light should not be undone by some of the more unfortunate things in, in, in this season. Uh, but uh, I think for him, it's clearly time to, to move on. I really wish it could have been done in a much better way on a high, but that's just something in Turkey. I, I don't really remember a single player that left, that went out on a high. I, you know, everyone kind of seems to have gone out on a sour note. I mean, look at how Alex left Fenerbahce. Look at the, how, how Sergen left Besiktas uh, the second time. Um, you know, no, that's actually not true. Shifo Mehmet left on a high. That's one of the few ones I can really remember. 
Um, but yeah, it's just a shame. But I think the thing with Chief Mehmet was he was ready to go. He was ready to call it quits himself. I don't think uh, Ricardo Quaresma is ready for it yet. Um, so then it's more difficult, of course. I don't think Alex was ready for it yet because he still went on and, and played for Coritiba uh, for two more seasons. Uh, anyway, we're going off track a little bit, but uh, Quaresma definitely, I think, that's someone. I don't see him fit into the Abdullah Afci system anyway. I, I think he could definitely go. Um, Jermaine Lenz um, has a high contract, I believe, 2.3 million a year. Uh, I think that as a player, he could definitely fit into Abdullah Afci's style. He's hardworking, he's quick. Um, you know, he's, he's good on the counter. I think he could definitely work under Abdullah Afci. I also think he kind of suffered from low confidence, low morale under Shannon Gunesh because he never really felt appreciated by the coach. I think all that could change. That said, he's 31 years old. Um, supposedly, Olympiakos and Panathinaikos are interested in him. Um, and Bishitesh won 3 million for him. What would you do? He still has a contract until 2022. That would make him... 34 um he's on two point something a million a year i think a smart man sells him even though he could still be a value for the team uh, i'd definitely sell lens for three million and a heartbeat not that i think he's worthless i, I he's got value he's he's got he can be the engine of the team you know i mean like all the running back and forth but i don't think you pay someone 2.2 million just to be an engine of the team uh, maybe if we say on a million, one point, or one million, one point two, keep him, you know what I mean? It could add value, but I think at this wage, it's just kind of, uh, it's, it's affecting our books very negatively. And I think if the, the right money's there and he's happy to go, I think we should part ways. Yeah, fully agree with you. Um, I think that's covered. Did, we, did you already give your two cents on, on Gary Medell? Yeah. Uh, if I haven't already, I'll just add in that I think Medell should leave as well. Uh, Same thing, I, really, than Lens, maybe. Yeah, his, his first season was f- phenomenal. I, I love Medell. 17 18, I thought, especially in the second half when he was actually playing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we, we had the usual Cheryl Gunish thing where yeah. the first half of the season, he, he, didn't, he didn't really play much at all. But when he actually started playing, lost about weight, I thought it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I, I think uh, you and Sinan on the podcast last year on the episode where you kind of rounded up the, the season. Uh, you both kind of had him as a kind of pretty light of the, the, the campaign. Because it, it really was, but I think this year, along with Quaresma and a lot of the team, they've not been getting their wage on time. I think that's been a problem for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I kind of think he's lost interest in Besiktas. So I, and also that wage at 2.2 million. Yeah, 2.3 I, even. 2.3 even. Yeah. I, I think it's... If we can find a seller, he definitely needs to go. If we can't, we need to find a way to kind of negotiate some sort of wage cut. But I don't see Gary Medell taking a wage cut either. So yeah. I think the best thing to do is just uh, call it quits and hopefully get a few million and send them off to... I've heard West Ham's interested, so hopefully get a few million off of West Ham. And that, that'd be ideal. Yeah, I think a guy like Medell would be crazy to take a page, pay cut. I mean, he still could definitely still get a, a decent contract elsewhere. You know, Ricardo Quaresma at the tail end of his career, I mean, I'm sure he could still get a, a contract at the MLS, a good contract there, or or maybe uh, somewhere else. But I don't think he wants to ever go back to uh, the Middle East. I don't think he wants to go to China. I, MLS is something I could see appeal to him, so that's what, I, what I'm always pushing for, because I could really see that appeal to a guy like him. Um, but, you know, I mean, I could see him on paper if the relationship between him and the club hadn't soured if the relationship between him and the fans hadn't soured I could definitely see him take a pay cut to be able to finish his career at Besiktas but I don't think that's that's in, in, uh, that's possible anymore at this point but uh, Gary uh, Gary Medell uh, still has a couple of years left in him I think that he would be crazy to take a pay cut I think he can go make the same amount of money he makes with us elsewhere so he would be crazy uh, hopefully he uh, garners some interest from his uh, Copa America performance with Chile and uh, we can get a decent fee for him like you said so uh, I think that's pretty much everything we wanted to to cover in this episode uh, Cartel thank you very much for joining me and once again people follow him uh, you can follow him on Twitter I think it's just Cartel Oru it's Cartel L O Cartel O was already taken so it's Cartel L O so that's K A R T A L 
L O G U R. Uh, the L came up. My, my middle name's uh, Liam. That's my oh. Scottish name. That's my Scottish name. That's where the L comes from. So it's just uh, okay. Okay, I thought it was E L, like uh, El Luchador. No, no. No. Okay, okay. <laughs> so you can follow Cartel on, on Twitter and of course his uh, account, Turkish Football News, at TF News 1923, uh, spelled out uh, with letters, not uh, full words. So give that give that account a follow. I, I highly recommend it. Um, and of course, if you're uh, a regular listener to the Black Eagles podcast, but you haven't checked out the Football All Turka podcast yet, go and check it out this week. We interviewed Samantha Johnson. Uh, Cartel, did you already listen to it, or was it Özjan that listened to it already? I think it was Özjan. Uh, uh, Özjan, I've, I've listened to half of it. I'll let, listen to the second half later on. Okay. It's definitely so far. It's been very interesting. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's, it's great uh, story that Samantha has for sure. I also advise you go and give that a listen because uh, that's great. And the Football Talker podcast as a whole, I think uh, you're doing an excellent job with that one, Can. Oh, you're doing as, as with us as well. Thank you very much, uh, Cartel. Much appreciated. No worries, man. No so, worries, uh, man. And thank you, people, for listening to this episode. And again, sorry that it took three weeks for us to put out a new episode. I promise that the next episode will be uh, out sooner for your commute next week. Um, and we'll see you again next week. Oh, <laughs>